listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey everyone, welcome to the Business of Baking podcast. It's Michelle, your hostess with the mostest. I've always wanted to say that. I think I've said that on a couple of episodes now because it just makes me laugh. I feel like we're like back in the 70s and people say that. I'm excited today to be introducing you to somebody who I have been a fan of on Instagram for a really long time. I can't even remember why or when I came across Daenerys, but I did, and I'm so glad I did, because now every day that I see her post, I pretty much drool over the stuff she makes. So today I'm talking to Daenerys Cancinos. She's from Danny's Dulce Confections, which is based in Silmar, California. For those of you who don't know, I grew up in Los Angeles, so she's kind of like in my backyard, <laughs> which means that the next time I go home, this is an excuse to go and like eat her amazing things. She makes some of the most delicious looking treats I have ever seen, especially her caramel apples, which not only look amazing, but I think they probably taste amazing. Like you actually want to eat them. Anybody who knows how I feel about cake and treats at the moment is that I think as an industry, we've gone too far over to the art side and things don't look delicious to eat. And that's not the case for Danny. Her things look freaking amazing. So in addition to making all kinds of treats, so caramel apples and tagine apples, she makes cookies and cake pops and cheesecakes and a whole bunch of things. She teaches a whole lot of online classes. Just recently, she sold a caramel apple class, which earned her over five figures, which is incredible. And we're going to talk about that. She has some online tutorials. She teaches in person. She's just an all around amazing chick who has a achieved a lot. And I, one of the things I wanted to highlight about her story is that last November, so that's not that long ago, that's, you know, seven or eight months ago, she left her job of 13 years to do this full time. And the business currently supports not only her, but her three kids. She's got three amazing kids, a 15 year old, a 13 year old, and a seven year old. And this business now supports the four of them, which is pretty damn amazing because one of the questions I get asked very often is, can you make real money out of this to support a family? And I always say yes. And people always say, no, not possible. So Denier is mostly here to prove that actually it is possible. She did not grow up in a family that was wealthy. She doesn't have some sort of like rich husband backing this or whatever. It's really just all her putting in a heck of a lot of work. And one of the things that makes me laugh about her Instagram is she does a lot of Instagram stories and puts the timestamp on there. <laughs> and it's always like 1 a.m. making apples, 12.45 at midnight or whatever, you know, making cake pops or whatever. And she just keeps it very real. And I think she's amazing. So well, Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm like literally just smiling from your introduction. <laughs> You're like, wait, I didn't know I do all those things. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm just thankful for this opportunity. I've, this is actually my first time being on a podcast. So I'm a little nervous, but I'm also very, very excited. And I'm a fan of yours too. So thank you. Thank you so much. No worries. Nervous is okay. If you say anything you regret, we'll just edit it out later. <laughs> You're all good. So tell me, how did you, the one thing I don't know, even though I stalked you for ages, is I don't know how you started and kind of got into this whole business. So I know you worked somewhere else for a really long time, but I don't know how this business, I don't know how Danny's Dulce Confections 
I don't know how that happened. So tell me about the story of the business and how it got to where it is now. So baking has always been part of my like life since I was little. My aunt would bake cupcakes all the time. So it started from there. I know it started from there, that desire to bake. And when I had my kids, I would bake all the time for them. And honestly, when I look back now, I didn't know how far ago I started until I look at pictures and I have pictures of my kids, you know, just baking cookies or making, you know, a Halloween cake and anything for school stuff that I would make all the time. I'm like, man, I've been doing this for a while now, but it officially, officially started in 2012 when I had a friend ask me, you know, my oven broke, can you make some cupcakes for me? And this is because I had posted, you know, me doing treats for my kids. And I said, sure, you know, and I made some cupcakes. I posted them out on my Facebook. And literally from there, I just had other friends ask me, like, can you make my cupcakes? Can you make these cupcakes? So I started with cupcakes in 2012. And then from there, I just started to just gain more customers. And at first, it's, you know, just a lot of friends and family supporting. And I just grew from there. That's how I started. And then, so now you do all the teaching stuff. And so how did that happen? Was that also because so many people kept asking? Yes, but also, I want to say I'm the giving type. I have a giving heart. So in about, I think, 2016 is when I started doing uh, my Instagram videos, like just short little minute videos, mini tutorials. And, you know, that's how I started. And then in 2017, I did my first official Instagram live where I actually like did a tutorial with, you know, many people watching live and I don't know if a lot of people know this about me, but I'm an introvert at heart. I am very shy. (laughs) Yes. Are you serious? (laughs) Yes. I am very shy. So I remember that first live, honestly, I was so nervous, but I so believe like if we want to grow, we need to step out of our comfort zone. And I know sounds sounds cliche, you know, a lot of people say it, but honestly, that's where you'll see growth, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone. Sometimes we're so used to like, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. It feels uncomfortable. So we stay where we're at, but I cannot, I look back and I I still have the video of my first live and I was so nervous, but people loved it. People loved the live and I just started doing more and more. And the whole year I, I did lives for a whole year, like free, just tutorials. Yeah, just whatever you were working on, like on your bench at the time? Yes, correct. Yeah. Whatever I saw people wanting to, you know, learn, I would be, okay, I'll make time. And for that's for a whole year, I just just get free content. And until this day, I still give free content. And in 2018 is when I decided, you know what, I'm going to start doing classes where people actually pay me. And these were online classes on Facebook groups and for I told myself my goal was for a whole year, do one class a month, like one different class a month. So and that's what I did for 2018. And that's the the year that I actually left my job after I started teaching and I still baked to, to my customers. But yeah, <laughs> that's how I started teaching. So you decided to teach one class a month. And how do you teach those classes? Like, were they in person? Were they in Facebook groups? Like, what was the method by which you were teaching that one class a month? So they are online through Facebook groups. And literally the way you go live on Instagram, Facebook, you know, to, you know, chat with your followers and stuff. That's the same way through a Facebook private group. And I go live. Sometimes I cut it into sessions and then people just watch the class and get to ask questions. And yeah, that's how I run them. So people sign up for this class, you add them to a private Facebook group. And what happens after that? Does the group just die? 
No. So I'm actually still running them till this day, but we build a community. It's not just that they need me there all the time. Honestly, my most popular one is my K-pop class. I have close to 800 students in there and they ask questions and they answer each other's and just, it's honestly a community. So I just keep an eye on it, but it kind of runs itself. So for every class, is that a new group? A new Facebook yes. group? Correct. Yeah. Oh my God. So you're like, by now you're running like 20 Facebook groups or something. Close to 20. Yes. Oh my God. How do you keep track of them all? (laughs) Honestly, well, Facebook notifies you here and there, but honestly, I like to go in the groups just to keep an eye. Some groups are not that active. You know, they kind of do die down a little bit, but it just depends. Like my K-pop class is one of my most active ones because I think a lot of people struggle with K-pops. They're the treats from hell. (laughs) Nobody wants them. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, yeah. So you have all these groups going. And so every time you start a new class, you start a new group and the videos just, I guess, sit there so they can watch it, you know, whenever they want or whatever. And so you, this is, I mean, I'm assuming this sounds pretty low tech to me, right? You give them a, a PayPal link or something and you say, uh-huh. this is how you sign up uh-huh. and they sign up and then they join the group and then away you go. That's it. So there's no fancy camera work here. There's no like super ultra amazing tech. This is just really nice and simple and easy for them and for you yes i'm not a tech person at all like at all so definitely you don't need tech skills to run these facebook groups and do the lives like yeah i think that stuff the tech part of it kind of really freaks people out you know like oh it needs to be perfect lighting and Mm -hmm. perfect this and i'm like no you just need to teach Mm -hmm. and so these 800 cake pop people and all the other people in the jillion in groups, <laughs> have they all come from Instagram? Like, is that where you've primarily acquired them from? Like, do you have a newsletter list? Is there like, what is the marketing behind this? Cause that's a lot of people, right? Yeah. They do come from Instagram. I think they also from Facebook, but I think my main source is Instagram. I don't want to say it's through like a newsletter because I just started to build my email list. And honestly, I send letters here and there, but not too often, usually just to promote a class or something like that. But the way I think I get them, I have the engagement going is through, like you mentioned, my stories. A lot of people don't like to invite people in into their private life. And I think that's a big error. A lot of people do. I think people want to feel connected to the person behind the business, behind the classes and once they feel that connection, it's more easier for them to trust you and for them to see, hey, you know, she's just like me, you know, she's just a mom, she has, you know, she's a human, you know, and I think a lot of people who come off just as very salesy, you know, just sell, 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 they don't do so well, because there's no connection between you and your customer, right. and your client, right? So I think that's what actually really helped me sell all of these classes, just be engaged with my audience, and just and- knowing and let's be fair, you spent a year creating the, or more really, but at least yeah. a year creating those relationships to begin with, right? It's not like mm-hmm. you just showed up one day and was like, hey, buy my stuff. You've been yeah. for a year giving them high value for free. Yes. So, and that's what I actually tell people that want to sell and who want to do online classes that you need to build that connection and that trust and get free content to, so they can get to know you. What kind of teacher are you? You know, how do you teach, you know, and just build that or else you're not going to do so well. It's not going to. Yeah. I think a lot of people with the teaching thing, they feel like it's a great source of income and it is right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I often say that teaching is a great way to make money, but Mm -hmm. they don't really get the fact that you have to have developed some sort of trust and some sort of integrity before you Mm -hmm. start selling. So I met a lot of people who are 
you know, cookie makers or cake makers or whatever. And they're like, Oh my God, I'm going to sell a tutorial. They put an ocean load of effort and time into it and then they sell it and it's just silence and they get kind of upset and they're like, why is nobody Mm -hmm. buying this thing? And I'm like, well, because you've never sold them anything before. Yeah. Like suddenly you want to, and also one thing I think a lot of people don't understand is that there's two different audiences there, right? You have your audience that buys your product from you, which is like other parents or other people just having events or whatever. But the people you sell a class or tutorial to, they're not customers. They're a different kind of customer. And so you sort of have to, you know, you kind of have to market to two separate groups of people there, right? There's the people who are makers and then the people who are buyers. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you bring that up because honestly, I hear a lot of people say, you know, do you have to have two different pages? You know, one for your business, one for, you know, your baking, whatever. And for me, honestly, it might be the right, how do you say it, uh, strategy? But yeah. for me, it's not, I feel like I've done so well doing emerging both. And so I feel like it doesn't have to be that way. I agree with Definitely. that. Actually. I don't think you Thank need you. Well, you know, my thing about that is it's not about the, for me, it's about the work. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's really hard to put 100% effort into two sets of pages, two sets of accounts, two sets of websites. Two, like, for me, that's an ocean load of work that really, yeah. I don't know that that's the best use of your time, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah. agree. And I think, you, so nowadays you still do orders, right? Because I've seen yeah. you still selling things and you do the classes and whatever. But nowadays, is it much more teaching and much less orders or like what's the, you know, how much time do you spend on each of those different groups? Honestly, I was just talking to a friend about that just yesterday. I was like, I feel like I'm in the middle of like, I feel like I'm taking less orders now and I'm teaching more. And I was yeah. telling her, I'm like, I'm not sure if that's the route that I want to go. And I was kind of, I'm, you know, right now, honestly, I don't know. Like I do see myself going more. I love teaching. I just love seeing the success of my students and, but I also love creating, you know, I, I love making the cake pass, but those late nights, man, sometimes they're like, Oh, it's not worth it. What am I doing? <laughs> I know. I, I always see your timestamps and I'm like, girl, you got to go to bed. Like you need to go to bed now. <laughs> really? <laughs> And honestly, that's, you know, between you and I, (laughs) that's one of like, I tell my students, that's one of your strategies to, you know, let customers know that it's a lot of work that goes into it for them to appreciate and not just think that it happens overnight, you know, it's not like that. It's a lot of work, a lot of prep work. And that's why I put those, the timestamps so my customers know that, you know, it's it's a lot of dedication into this. It's not just, here you go. That's a really interesting way of looking. I, yeah, I have to say, I never thought about that, actually, that yeah. you put that there as kind of like a reminder to them, like, hey, this is no walk in the park, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. man. Because I will admit that, not you in particular, but I have seen a couple of people put the timestamps on. I'm like, really? Enough with the bragging. <laughs> well, because I think some people do it as like a, I don't know how to explain it. Some people do it as like a, like a, look at me, I'm working so hard, feel sorry for me kind of thing. Yeah. You know, they put it as you. like a, and I think we live in a society now where people talk about being busy all the time as though that's something that's honorable or that's something mm-hmm. to be proud of. And I'm like, you know what? Being busy is not something to be proud of. Being productive is, but busy is a different story, you know? So sometimes I, I see those timestamps or I see people getting all emotional on Instagram and I'm like, Okay, really? We get it. We all work hard. <laughs> so that's a really interesting perspective. I never thought about putting that on there as kind of like a, hey, you should appreciate what I do because a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears is going into this. Yeah. So, it works. Go. Honestly, it has worked. 
so I'm imagining that most of your daytime hours are spent with kind of like group management, social media, whatever. And then the creation of the products is at night. Is that how that works? Because you've also got the kids during the day, right? They're pretty young. Yeah. My older two, they're very, you know, I don't have to be on them. My little one is the most that, you know, I'm bored, you know, like, can you come and do this? And she's on that age right now. So yeah, the morning is more of a prep and kind of just do, yeah, like social media and just see, you know, catch up on stuff like that. And then in the nighttime, it's really when I, you know, do all the like hands-on stuff. Yeah, because the um, kids are doing their homework or going to bed or whatever, wherever they're doing kid stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So social media obviously has grown your business enormously and it's a big source of everything you do. And so now that you look back on it, I'm sure you would go, hey, it's great. I'm so glad I invested all this time because it's now paid off and whatever. Mm -hmm. But do you ever just feel like you're kind of on a treadmill you can't get off? I'm not there yet. I think I sometimes I still love posting and gauging and all that stuff, but I'm not feeling that yet. I feel like I love it. (laughs) But a lot of people ask me how I got there, how I got so many followers. And, you know, I told them like you guys it didn't happen overnight for me. It it was a lot of years. Like it, I started literally in 2012 and it's how long it took me to build those followers. And, yeah, you know, it's and, consistent effort, right? You just keep showing yes. up. Yes, correct. I love that I'm you describe like, yourself as an introvert. I'm like, wait, what? I've watched a lot of those videos <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's impressive. But that probably is also why you work at night to a degree, right? Because you can be this kind of, you know, out there in front of the camera person all day long. And then at night you kind of have your downtime where you're, you know, doing your own thing. Yeah. Yes. And I don't know if a lot of people know, but teaching and doing the lives, is kind of mentally like draining. You give a lot of your energy out. So when you're done, you're feeling like, man, like I just worked a whole lot of hours, even though you were just live maybe one hour, mentally, it really like just, it gets to you. So I actually need some like, after I'm done, I have to some relaxed time and just like, you know. Oh my goodness. A hundred percent. People don't get that. People don't get yeah. that teaching is actually like, I get to the end of the class. I'm like, I need a nap for like three yes. days. <laughs> right. And it, yeah. you know, what's particularly digital teaching or online teaching. One mm-hmm. of the things I know I find really challenging about it is you can't see people's faces. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can read their comments, right? If they're typing yeah. comments in, but you have to keep up a one-way conversation mm-hmm. for a very long time. <laughs> And silence is really awkward when you're just teaching by yourself. And so part of it is you need to maintain conversation that's one-sided for that whole time. And that's that's really hard. Like even when I do the podcast, when I do a solo show or whatever, those are way harder than interviews because I'm just like, (laughs) all right, it's just me and the dog hanging out, talking to myself (laughs) for a while. <laughs> but it's true, right? Because you you know, you have to be yeah. like, hey everyone, welcome. Okay, so we're talking about this and we're talking about that. And like sometimes when you're making stuff, it just takes time for it to sit, or it takes time for you to make it, or like and there's nothing to say, but you have to fill in the silence. No, yeah. And I've taken other classes where, you know, there's a lot of silence going on because you know, maybe it's just the teacher's a beginner. I don't know. But I've kind of like now that you bring it up, I'm like I try to engage as much as I can and just keep talking no matter what comes out of my mouth, but I got to say something. I know, but the talking is really tiring. 
So now that you've done this for so long, right? You've been doing this officially since 2012. So that means, you know, seven years of going, which is pretty amazing, right? How come it took you so long to quit the job? You only just quit the job seven or eight months ago, right? So was that like a fear thing? Was that not making enough money? Like, I mean, this whole time, pretty much until recently, you were working as well. So what made you finally go, yep, it's time for me to just jump off that cliff? It definitely was a little bit of fear and a little bit of, an, I'm not making enough money yet to leave my job. And the job that I had honestly was like a part-time job. I wasn't even making bank there. It was literally like really, I think it's more fear for a lot of years. I'm the type that just stays where I'm comfortable and, you know, what feels safe. And that consistent check was very hard for me to let go of. And honestly, I tried to leave my job. I think it was maybe in 2016 and it did not work well because I didn't plan ahead of time. I didn't save enough money. I was just, I did it with all, just all wrong. And when my boss asked me to come back out of fear, I could have like, because I was in a tight place and I was like, man, like I'm already running out of money and I was scared. And I was like, you know what? I'll just go back to work. And I regret that so bad because I got to the point where I was at work and I could only focus on my classes. I could only focus on my baking. I was not even a hundred percent at work, you know, and I just, I would hate it. And I would dread going to work every day. I'm like, man, like, and sometimes, especially on weekends, I would work weekends and I would start an order, you know, Thursday, Friday, and I would go without sleep. And then Saturday I would to go to work and my feet were hurting because where I work, I had to do a lot of walking. And my feet were hurting. I was not literally there. Like, I just wanted to go to sleep so bad. And I couldn't wait to quit, but I was scared. I was scared. And after teaching online and having another source of income coming in for me, I was like, you know what, dinner is time. Like, it's time to go. And for a couple of months, I would get my checks and I would not cash them. I did that for about three months. And I had a stack of checks there that I just would not cash. And I wanted to see, can you survive without it? And I did, I was able to make it. And I told my boss, and I think I was a lot of me, I was scared because I had a lot of responsibility at my job, where I felt like they needed me. And I felt like they were gonna, you know, be mad at me. And I'm just that type of person that cares a lot. So I was like, but I got to the point where I was just like, dinner, you need to do what's best for you. And I was like, if it came down to it, if they needed to do what's best for them and their family, they would do it. They wouldn't think about you. And so I finally just, I decided, I told my boss, you know, this is my last day. It was November 15, 2018. Yeah, a couple of months ago. And I'm so happy. (laughs) Like, I'm so happy that I'm out of there. And honestly, I got confirmation that I did the right thing because when I left, they didn't even say goodbye to me like that. They didn't even appreciate. I was there for over 13 years. And I was kind of like, they're okay with me leaving. Like, I did not show any type of appreciation. and. I was just like, I did the right thing. You know, I was just an employee. I was just a number. And, yeah, well, um, you felt more attached to them or that business than they felt to you, it sounds like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's got to be, like, on the one hand, heartbreaking. Like, how can you just let me walk out the door with no, I don't know. Honestly, I, I, I cried. Like, I cried when I left just because I honestly felt like I was leaving this abusive relationship. Like, I felt like that, like a toxic relationship because even though it hurt me that I didn't care and they didn't show appreciation, like at the same time, I was like, you're doing the right thing to know. But it did, it was a heartbreak. I did honestly feel like that. So one of the things I find really interesting about that is you, you left twice. 
right? You left yeah. once, they kind of drag you back in. Yeah. And then you left the second time. And I actually think they probably did you a favor by dragging you in that first time because you kind of got, it probably at a guess made you even more determined, like, okay, I'm stuck here again. Mm-hmm. Right? Let me get out of this again, you know, and work that much yeah. harder to get out. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think that's when I started teaching, honestly, I didn't even think how much money I was going to bring in. Nothing like that. I just enjoyed teaching. I was okay. Another source of income. And then once I really start seeing the money coming in, I was like, well, wow, you know, there is money in teaching and especially online. Like there's money out there. (laughs) So, right. So let's talk about that money thing. So one of the things I said to you before we started this interview is that your recent Camel Apple class, when I saw it, I was like, what the what? In a good way, by the way, that's (laughs) not a criticism at all because that class which we should just say again, is taught by a Facebook group. It's just a series of lives, not just, it is a series of lives. Mm-hmm. They learned, I think, three different kinds of caramel apples, right? They learned like caramel yeah. apples, pecan ones, and I think I'm missing mm-hmm. one. What was the third one? Mazapan. Yeah, and Mazapan ones. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was, they joined a Facebook group, they listened to a bunch of lives, and then they have the community there. And that class was $200 for an online class. And you had over 300 students sign up mm-hmm. for that class, which if I do my math right, means that that class alone brought you something around $63,000. Yes. Which Amazing. I just, I can't is, even believe you're saying it. I just feel so. Right. I, I mean, that is absolutely such an incredible achievement. Like that's just, I mean, that's more money than a lot of people make in an entire year. Right. Yeah, and this yeah. was one online class about caramel apples of all things. Right. <laughs> But the yeah. price tag on that class is $200. And there are going to be people listening to this who are going to be like, how that woman charged $200 for a caramel <laughs> apple class? So how did you? Yeah, I think it's incredible. And it is a great lesson in knowing your worth, right? Because, yeah. you know, but how did uh, you, I mean, that didn't happen overnight either. So how did you get to that no. kind of price? Well, I started teaching, I first started doing hands-on caramel apple classes and that class went for $200 as well. So that was a live in-person class. Yes, where I would supply all the supplies and they would not bring anything and I would just do a Mm hands-on. And I did about, I think, five of those or maybe six of those. And then a lot of people started requesting, can you please do it online? Can you please do it online? And the demand was there and I was just, I was very honest with them and I said, you know, the reason I can't do it online or I don't feel right doing it online is because these people that took on hands-on, they traveled, you know, and for me to just go and teach it online and charge cheaper for it, I just, you know, it doesn't feel right with me. And a lot of people told me, like, I would pay $200 dinner. Like, I don't care. Like, I would pay $200. And that thought sat there for a while. And I said, no, I want to kind of want to travel. I kind of want to hit other states. And I kind of want to just you know, teach it on hands-on. Like I want that connection. I want to be able to see you guys. And I kind of went that route. But what happened was I came across, I don't know if you ever heard of her. It's Amy Porterfield and she teaches on how to launch an online course. Mm -hmm. And I decided to invest in, in, in that course and it was not cheap at all. And at that time, it was like 1500 And I was at the time, I did not even want to spend $1,500. I was like, no, I like that's a lot of money on online class. And, you know, and I decided to go for it. I was like, you know, I teach, I advise a lot of people that they need to invest into their, you know, business or craft in order to, you know, really see 
the fruit of it. And I was like, okay, dinner, you're sitting here preaching this stuff, you know, so why don't you invest in your own business? And so I made the investment and I took this course and she's very high tech, like a lot of stuff is high tech. And I was, at first I was like, yeah, this is not for me. I'm not gonna be able to do it because I'm not techy at all. And I decided to, you know, collect everything she kind of gave me and whatever I can do at the moment. And I decided to do my online course and launch it. And I did it through a Facebook group and I charged $200 just the same as a hands-on. And, oh yeah, a lot of people say, well, why are you charging the same as your hands-on? You know, I heard a lot about that and why is it so expensive? And I think once, like we talked before, is all about the connection and how long I've been going live every Thursday for a very long time now, just to get free content, free tutorials, and uh, connect with people. And also me having, doing my online classes for, in 2018, for the whole year, a lot of those students already knew how I teach, and that I really put my heart into it. And it's not just about, I teach you and I disappear and that's it, you're on your way, never see me again. I really try to help them as much as I can. And I think they value that. And once I offered a class for $200, they're like, oh yeah, take my money, you know? And (laughs) for real, I think for a lot of them, it was like that. But for a lot, it was, and I know this because I asked my Caramapple students now, you know, have you taken classes from me before or this is your first time? And a lot of them told me, I have never taken a class from you, but I watch your lives all the time. And I, you know, I've been following you for a long time and that's what they felt that connection. Yeah. Well, you've already established that you're legitimate, right? And you trust you through the free stuff. So I think there's an often people like that go, if her free stuff is this good, then the paid stuff must be amazing. Yeah. So honestly, I was blown away. My goal was to get 100 students. I was like, I'll be happy with 100 students. And even 100 to me sounded like a lot. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. And once I saw the, when I closed the cart, I was like 315 students. I was like, wow. And even till now, honestly, it's been a couple of weeks since I closed the cart and I made that money, but it still kind of feels like not real. And I think it, it comes from, being born and raised the way I was. My mom was a housekeeper and, you know, and she always told me, go to school, go to school. I want a better life for you. You know, you don't want to be working. She's about to be 60 and she's always telling me, I don't have no retirement money. You know, I have nothing going for myself. And she always pushed me to, you know, do better, be better. And I never in my life imagined, never, that I would be able to launch a course and make this type of money. Like, Never. I still feel so like surreal. Like it's just amazing. And I'm very thankful. (laughs) Yes, I can imagine. Right. And let's, you know, I mean, you didn't, as you said, you know, your mom was a housekeeper and, you know, you had your son when you were like 16, right? So you were a young mom as well and did not grow up wealthy. Like that kind of money must just feel kind of like magic, right? But the truth is, the truth is you put the work in over a really long period of time. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think I want to like want people to know that and it doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes we feel like we're never going to reach that because honestly, I never imagined, like I said, I never imagined it, but it's just showing up every day, even when you don't feel like it, and even when you don't want to like show up, yeah. do the work. And yeah. yeah. 
So, Daniela, one thing about you which I find interesting because it's something I've spoken about a little bit is that religion is a big part of your life and you're very open about that. It says it right on the front page of your website. <laughs> it's in your profile. Like it, it says it a lot, right? And you talk about it a lot, right? That religion is a big part of your life. And that's something that I personally is not a big part of my life. And I've often <laughs> said, like, I think that that should be you know, my opinion is that I'm happy for, you, for people to be religious, but I don't think there's much place for it in business. But you are front and center about it, which I think is amazing. Be who you are, right? So yeah. can you tell me a little bit about that part? Like what makes you choose to make your faith part of your business? Is that about being authentic and real? Like, and are there people out there who are like, you know, keep your mouth shut with your God stuff, girl, you know, like, <laughs> like that's a choice, right? To be public about that is a choice. And I'm just wondering yeah. Like, how did you make that choice? And do you find that that it makes people relate? Do you find that it drives people away? Like, I'm just curious about how religion plays a part in your business. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for bringing this up. Because honestly, I was like, before the podcast, I was like, I want to say, like, I want to mention God. I want to talk about God. And I was like, I don't know how to bring it up. <laughs> so, no problem. Thank you so much. <laughs> but you're right. And I'm glad that, like I said, you do see it and everyone sees it, that my faith is very, like, just strong. And before, when I first started, I would keep track of, you know, how many followers do I lose in a day? Now I don't keep track of that. So honestly, I don't know how many people unfollow me just because I make a post about God. I don't keep track of that anymore and I don't really care. And I think it is that God is first in my life and it's very hard for me not to post about it because I just can't, I can't help it. And I do feel like a lot of people do relate and I actually get a lot of messages who thank me for, you know, just putting, you know, not being ashamed or not feeling embarrassed or feeling like it's not the platform for this. Mm -hmm. especially because I'm running a business, classes, all that stuff. But I do feel like people just need reminders. And I know that because, like I said, I do get DMs saying, like, thank you for posting this. I needed to hear this. Oh, I'm going through this. And people have opened up about their lives to me. And I'm just very thankful. And I feel like God works. When I feel like he wasn't working, he was working. And I actually feel like all of this is because of him. And he put me where I was, I was supposed to be, even though I felt like I would never reach that. And I feel like he made a way, like he made a way for me. Yeah. And I guess what I'm hearing is that for you, there is no way to separate those things. Because obviously, well, your faith is such that you think he had a hand or you believe he had a hand in all of this. Mm -hmm. So therefore, of course, there's going to be mention of it, right? Yes. Do you yeah. keep track of how many people unfollowed you? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I think we all have that obsession stuff at the beginning. And then eventually we're yeah. like, why, why am I doing this? This is just lame. <laughs> I remember when I first started, there was, I don't know if people still do it, but there was an app where you can like, you know, see who unfollowed you and oh the God. days that they let's unfollowed not, you. Yeah. Let's, let's not fuel the hysteria. <laughs> oh my God. So, okay. So the faith part is a really big part of what you do. And mostly you get support for it. And the truth is if people are hanging up or not hanging up, if they're unfollowing or they're whatevering, you know, that's their problem, not yours. And people unfollow for all kinds of reasons. It's not necessarily yeah. religion or whatever. Yeah. I think one of the things that I find really interesting about you and the religion piece of it is, so I've often said, I don't think there's, I think there's room in business for being who you are. I think there's room for being authentic. I just don't like when people shove it down my throat. And by the yeah. way, 
I don't just mean religion. I don't want them shoving anything down my throat, like <laughs> veganism or recycling, or I, I believe in all those things too, but I don't necessarily want to hear that 24 seven. And I think yeah. one of the things I admire about you is that you're very open and obvious and like, it's clear that God and religion are part of your life, but mm-hmm. it's not like you're pounding us over the head with it. Right. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's part uh, of your support. It's not the whole story all the time. Yeah. I put myself as a customer or as a follower or whatever. And I'm the same way. I wouldn't want someone to be shoving something down my throat that, you know, it's just, it gets boring and it feels like, eh, you know, like, I don't want to hear this. Um, yeah. So- yeah. Like, I think you've done a really good job of making it clear Thank this you. is a part of your life, but not making it, you know, the sole focus of everything. Yeah. Thank I mean, you so much. Even just in this conversation, right? It's God is a part of my life. My faith is super important to me, but I show up every day and I do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's not enough to just pray. You need to do the work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you if know? you sat in the corner praying for the orders to come, it doesn't really work like that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it really works like that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You know, you like, I, yeah, you know, I'm not necessarily religious, but I do believe in energy and the power of the universe, which is kind of the same thing, really. Yeah. And I often say, you know, you need to rise up to meet that power. It's mm-hmm. not like waiting to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you, I want you to be a super mega success. Yeah. <laughs> There's like this really old joke about this guy who every day prays to God to win the lottery. Like every day prays, 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 prays to win the lottery, win the lottery, win the lottery. And like one day God comes down and in this like, you know, loud voice is like, okay, but you got to buy a ticket. <laughs> it's like yes. that, right? It's like, yes. okay, great. I, you know, you can be as believing as you want, but if you're not going to keep showing up and I mean, pressing the button on the live button, uh, not much is going to happen, right? No, you got to do the work. You got to do the work. That's it. So in terms of doing the work, now that you've done this for so many years and now that you're out on your own and don't have the safety net of the part-time job, what would you say has been the hardest part about running this business? For me, honestly, is procrastination. Ooh, I I love a good honest answer. (laughs) Yeah, I am. With this Caramelpa class, I really wanted to be, you know, people paid this amount of money dinner. You got to give 100%. I don't care how you're feeling this day. I don't care what you're going through in your personal life. You need to show up and they need to feel like you gave 100%. And because honestly, in other times I've struggled with that where, you know, life happens and things happen and it's easy for us to say, you know, just I'll do it later or, you know, and not give the importance that it needs to have. And so definitely procrastination and having time management is, and especially when you are your own boss, there's a lot of discipline that goes into it. There's, you know, you can easily say, I'm just going to chill all day and not do nothing. I'll just do it tomorrow. There's no one behind you telling you like, no, it needs to get done today. And I struggled with that. And I knew when I left my job that I needed to work on that because, or else I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail because I'm not showing up the way, you know, I'm expected to be. And so when I did this camera up a class, just to give an example, I, I had to do class outlines. I came prepared. Like I did my homework. I made sure that I wanted to talk about all the topics, not just show up and be like, okay, whatever comes out of my mouth, you know, like (laughs) I'll just do it, you know, no, like, and honestly, I see it and I feel like my students see it that I came and I came and I showed them a hundred percent. And I'm very proud of that because honestly, like I said, I, I was a procrastinator and I'm still, I still struggle with it, honestly, but it's a lot of self-discipline being your own boss. And, oh my uh, God. Yes. And the amount of self-discipline is actually the part I think most people underestimate the most. 
Yeah. They, they don't, you don't like, yeah, I get to do this all day. Oh, no. No. I mean, you no. do, but only if you market and only if you respond to those emails and only if you mm-hmm. do those videos and only if you, you know, the amount of self-discipline and effort required, I think a lot of people really underestimate that. They do. Definitely. I have other people that, you know, not in just the baking stuff, but they're become their own bosses and they don't do so well because, you know, they don't put in the work and they're not self-disciplined and they don't show up when they're supposed to show up. Well, so, yeah, right. So yeah. procrastination, I think, is something a lot of us. I'm actually really glad you said that that's the hardest part because I think it's a very common mm-hmm. problem for a lot of us. And, mm-hmm. you know, behind that is a lot of things, exhaustion or fear or whatever. I think we, we all suffer with that. Mm-hmm. So what's your number one tip for getting past it? I know you haven't solved that problem. And to be honest, I don't think anybody <laughs> ever does. But <laughs> you, what do you find is like the one thing that gets you past that? For me, it's like literally sitting on Mondays and having my schedule off for the whole week. Like taking the time to do that. And this is what you're going to do today. And that, and I'm big on lists. So I have a list for Monday, what I have to do today. And it feels so awesome to check my list at the end of the night. Okay, I did all of this. And having that accountability for sure helps me out a lot. And um, or else you just have a lot of things going in your head and if you don't write it down or it, you're going to forget about it and you'll be like, oh crap, you know, I was supposed to do this. You know, I'm, I've been there. So honestly, that's what helped me out a lot. Just having those lists and having my schedule out for like a week. And yeah. So just, I do the same thing. And I usually recommend that like on Sunday night, you sit down mm-hmm. and just plan mm-hmm. your week. And I actually yeah. suggest people, you probably, I don't know if you do this, but I suggest people do it by the hour between nine oh, and yeah. 10, I'm doing this between 10 and 12, I'm doing this, between, which sounds a little bit ridiculous, but it actually works really well. I'm going to try that. I don't do it by the time, but I feel like it's feel like you're working at a job, you know? It's Yeah, it's like you're working at a job. And so I call that method time blocking where you literally go, yep, between 9 and 10, I read emails. Between 10 and 11, I this. Between 11 and 12, I that. Or, you know, even 15 minutes if you want or whatever. And I always make sure that I put in time for lunch because girls yep. got to eat, right? Yep. <laughs> and, you know, like I put in, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I put in time for like playing on social media, not working. Yeah. You know, or I put in time for like, oh, calling my mom or something. You know, like I know that no, sounds lame, but if I don't do that, no, it doesn't happen. I, I even put in like, you have to shower today. <laughs> like literally, yeah. Yeah. I have so, to put it down. Yeah. Exactly. So I do it by the hour, Monday to Friday, and it works really well. I mean, it's just a scrap of paper. It's, I mean, you can do it all fancy if you want to. But for me, it's literally a piece of paper where I just scribble it down. And on a mm-hmm. Sunday night, I spend like not even half an hour. I want, it's like 15 minutes and it just yeah. makes a huge difference, particularly on a Monday morning when nobody wants to get out of bed. You yeah. have this like, no, at nine o'clock you are doing this. Oh, okay. Right. I'm going then, you know, and it, it's, I find it quite motivating and it's yeah. kind of like, you know, one of the joys about working for somebody else is somebody else tells you what to do, right? You don't have to think about it. And so for me, having that time blocked out each week means that it's sort of like someone else telling me what to do. It's yeah. like, I don't have to sit around and go, what do I want to do today? Oh, yeah. I was going to do that thing. So having it blocked out like that, I find super helpful. And it's kind of like having a boss in a weird way, you know? Yeah, no, it definitely helps. Yeah. So if procrastination is the hardest thing, what's the easiest thing? You're like, nothing, Michelle, nothing. It's all hard. No, it's got to be something. Like, is there anything that you think, hey, this actually wasn't that hard? Like, I thought it was going to be hard, but it's not that difficult. I know every time I've asked that question, people are like, wait, you mean there's something about small business that's easy? Wait, what? (laughs) Figuring out where to spend the money? (laughs) Like nobody ever comes up with a good answer to that question. You got me. I'm like, I'm going blank. I don't know right now. (laughs) 
I, you know what? I think it's probably one of those things that we're so used to small business being hard that probably doesn't occur to us to go, actually, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. Like that wasn't yeah. like, I'll give you my answer, right? So I, my answer for this is I don't find writing hard. Like I find writing very easy. And so for me, consistent communication is not difficult of the writing variety. So mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with newsletters or blog posts or podcasts or whatever. Like I find that much easier than I thought I would when at the beginning of my business, I was like, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> what am I, I going to talk about? And you know, it's now five years later and I haven't run out of things to talk about. So I think I'm doing it right. But for me, I find it easy to figure out what I'm going to talk about. Whereas for me, one of the hardest things is I'm terrible at lives and videos and whatever, in part because I'm not terribly introverted, but I am quite private. And so, which people always find hard to believe, but it's true. And so I find (laughs) lives very challenging because I feel like I don't really need your video in my face all day. Like I find that for me is really hard. And like, I've gone through stages where I can't do a live every day. And the pressure to do a live every day just stresses me out to a degree where I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't want, what? My hair's in a ponytail. What? I just, I can't. (laughs) I find the live thing and the video thing really, really, really hard. For me, I find it, I don't know if I think it's like a, I don't know, like it's, I don't know, an obstruction of my privacy or something, but I just find that, you know, video marketing absolutely smashes it, as you know, and I just struggle. I struggle with that. It's funny because like I talk for a living. How hard can this be? (laughs) (laughs) I think I do very well, but yeah, no, I know what you mean because I was, scared out of my mind when I first did my first live yeah yeah it's like people watching and you anything you do is like they're just you know all eyes and like I wasn't I'm not afraid of it but I find it like intrusive I don't know how to explain that like I find it like you know I guess it's also because I've watched so many people on lives now and it's Mm -hmm. like here's me walking the dog here's me having a coffee here's me whatever and I'm like is there no part of my life I don't have to share like so I find like I find privacy is a little bit of a thin line for me a little bit I find that one that one difficult so when you when other people come to you for business advice because I'm sure they do I'm sure they come to you and are like how did you make it happen right yeah and you know what like your number one like what's the one thing you always say when somebody says to you I really want to do what you're doing I want to quit my job too I want to do this full-time like do you have one piece of advice you give everybody the first thing I always say it, it doesn't happen overnight like honestly that's what I say because a lot of people tell me like I've been doing this and I'm not selling I'm struggling you know I don't think this is for me and I always ask them well how long you've been doing it for and they always tell me, well, a year. I'm like, a year is not enough. You know, it, I do, I've been doing this for seven years. Even seven years is not enough. I still have, you know, a lot to go. But you can't expect something to happen within two years. And for some people, it does happen. You know, it happens overnight where they just boom and go viral or something like that, you know. But for a lot of us, it's a lot of dedication, a lot of um, commitment. And a lot of people struggle with that, especially as moms. A lot of people have little ones and they don't know how do they do it, how to balance it. And I, you know, I tell them like, you're going to have to make the sacrifice of sometimes you'll be, you'll have to miss a soccer game. Sometimes you'll have to miss, you know, the school event. And some moms are like, Oh, you know, how can you do that? You know, but it's, it requires this business requires a lot of sacrifices and a lot of people don't want to make them. And I feel like as long as you know that you're, 
you know, your kids come first and that's the decision. And now people <laughs> judge me, I think, because I say that sometimes and they're like, how can you miss a soccer game or how can you miss, you know, any of these type of important events that they feel is important. And they have to either realize, you know, this is for me and I have to make these sacrifices or, you know what, I'm going to be a mom for, you know, until my kids are older and then I'll focus on my baking. But they need to really be clear about that. And for me, what I learned is my kids are not going to die because I missed a softball game. Like they're not going to die, you know, and I think they're proud of me of what I've accomplished and I'm teaching them how to work hard at something. And I feel I'm a great mom. I feel like I'm a good mom, even though I had to make a lot of sacrifices. And for me, it's just telling people, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And it's a lot of dedication, a lot of commitment, and a lot of sacrifices. So I'm um, so glad you mentioned being a mom, actually, because I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. So your kids are relatively young, right? You know, Anthony yeah. is the oldest, he's 15. Yeah. Emma's mm-hmm. the littlest at seven, right? So, mm-hmm. and you've had them the whole time you've had this business right? So they've been part of this from day one because they were littler then and, you know, they're still pretty young, right? And it looks, right? Instagram's, you know, mm-hmm. interesting, but it yeah. looks like they're pretty supportive and loving and, you know, all this, this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Have they ever had moments where they're like, can you not make this today? And instead, like, do they have moments where they're like resentful or over it or whatever? Are they mostly supportive and they're cool with it? Like, are they wrapping cookies? You know, like how much of a role do the kids play in this whole thing? No, they have, they're not always supportive. I hear like little remarks, especially my son, he's 15. He's starting to be a smart ass, you know, so. (laughs) He's a good kid overall, but sometimes I hear the remarks and I'm like, okay, I see you, you know, like I know. And, but he's not very open, you know, so I don't get to really, you know, he's going, he's 15, like you said, you know, so he's like, but my daughter, my 13 year old, she's very supportive when it comes to this. Um, She, you know, because she gets paid, you know, she's like my assistant. And honestly, I wish she was older because she knows so much about the business. I'm like, can you just be older, you know, and just like, you know, be my really partner. But, um, and she's 13, so she gets tired. She can only last a couple of hours and then she goes, I'm done. But sometimes, you know, she's hard on me. She's very no filter. And she sometimes gives me a hard time about certain things or puts me on the spot, you know, when it comes to when I'm like late at night and um, I'm working or I'm kind of complaining because I haven't slept or I'm, I'm moody. She tells me, why are you like, why are you taking out on us? Like, we didn't do anything to you. Like, you're the one that started your orders late. Like literally she'll tell me and I'll be like, she's so right. You know, I'm like, she's so right. And my little one, my, oh my little God. one. God bless 13 year old girls, man. Oh man. <laughs> they really make it hard. Yeah. And the little yeah. one. And she's the one that honestly, I have a lot of guilt with her, but I try to be like, you know, I I'm there when I can. And when I want to be there and when she needs me to be there, but sometimes I do miss the softball game and she goes, you're not going to come today. And she always tells me you have work and, or sometimes late at night, she tells me, like, can you come sleep with me? And I tell her, okay. Before, honestly, I would tell her, like, I'll go right now. I'll go right now. Let me just finish this. And then I started to feel like, no, dinner. you can take at least five minutes, ten minutes, take a break, and go lay down with her. You know, like, that's what she wants. And Or sometimes, you know, she just doesn't understand. You know, she's little. And sometimes well, she, she feels bad because I don't show up. She was born the same year the business got officially started, right? Yes. Have I, have yes. I got that right? Yeah. She was 2012 February. So she was only a couple of months old when I started this. So all she's known is me working like this. And, but 
I make the time, you know, it, I think it's important to make time where it's no phones, no nothing. And it's just a hundred percent her time, you know, kind of yeah. balance it that way. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to know that your kids are human and that they're both <laughs> supportive and kind of a pain. Cause that's what all kids yeah. are like, right? That, you know, yeah. my own kids are super supportive of my business, but of course there's been times when, you know, kids want their mom around or their dad or whoever yeah. around <laughs> and they're not quiet about it. You know, they're like, I need you here. Yeah. I need you to pay yeah. attention. I need you to eat, you know, and it's not even a business. Sometimes it's like, can you put the phone down and look at me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes one of the advantages of being a parent and running a business is that they kind of force you to live in the real world. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think if I didn't have children, I probably would have been a super mega workaholic who just never left the office. No, me too. I think I am a workaholic. Yeah. So to a degree, they, they keep me nice and real, which I kind of mm-hmm. actually really appreciate. To be honest. So, that, you know, that is a big one. And so do you think yeah, like... I didn't realize that, but yeah, you're right. Right? Like they kind of make me a little bit more human because that's just it. They force you to walk away from the bench for five minutes. Yes. Whatever. If they weren't forcing me to do that, I'm not sure that I would really. So I'm kind of grateful for that. So Daniela, you've gotten this far, right? Which is a pretty long way and you have so much to be proud of. So what is next on the horizon for Danny's Dulce Convictions? So I am launching another Karamapa class that's coming end of September. So if you guys are interested, just keep your eye on that. I will include all the links to Danny's various social media and business pages. I'll include it in the blog post of this episode. So you can all follow her and learn to make the sexiest caramel apples you've ever seen. In your <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I want to start looking into, you know, just, I guess this is a personal thing. It's not much of a business thing, but and how to manage my money and how can I, you know, just honestly, I've never been able to have this kind of money. And now I'm kind of like, Danera, you have to be smart. And I think a lot of people don't have that mentality where it's like, you know, they just start, you know, how I made this amount of money, I'm going to go and, you know, go on vacation and go into this and spend it all and everything's gone. And I feel like dinner, you have to be smart. Like, you need to start because I don't know much about money. Honestly, I have never had this type of money. I've never even thought about making this type of money. And I want to be smart and I want to, you know, just invest into, you know, how can I make more and how can I, you know, just. Yeah. And, you know, the truth is that you don't know that every class after this is going to be such a big success. Yeah. Whatever. So, you you know, Mm -hmm. I think long term planning is probably, you know, the way to go, really. I mean, none of us really know what's around the corner. Right. So we've all got to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think learning how to manage money is something a lot of women don't do. And I think it's a yeah. smart move that we should do it. So I think yes, I agree. Because numbers, point. for me, numbers scare me, honestly, like not numbers, but when I have to do math and all of that, like, I wouldn't know. And especially when I, I know you teach about pricing and stuff, because I actually bought your book. And actually helped me out a lot. And <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So a lot of people struggle, you know, in pricing stuff. And it's always tell them like, I think because we're scared, we don't know our numbers because we're like, oh, you know, like you said, a lot of women don't look into that kind of stuff. And so we're so clueless. Like sometimes we have this beautiful cake files and we make this beautiful stuff and we don't know how to price it, you know, and it's very, very important or else, you know, you're going to work for pennies. But like I was saying, so numbers, like I hear math and my brain just shuts down. Like I don't want to, and I don't want to do it. And I'm like, I need to break that because... I can't, you, why are we scared of numbers? They're just numbers. <laughs> they are just so. numbers, but I think women in particular attach emotion to those numbers. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's where we all go a little bit 
scared or whatever of them that we attach emotion to those numbers, which is, you know, mm-hmm. money is validation that you're doing the right mm-hmm. thing and that you're worth something. Now, I don't, that's not actually true. Mm-hmm. Your self-worth doesn't come from money. But yeah. for a lot of people, when somebody pays you for something, you feel like what they're really saying is you're worth this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm parting yeah. my money for you. Therefore, you are worth this. And I think one of the things about being a giver or a people pleaser or whatever is it's a little bit hard to walk the line between somebody's paid me for this class. Okay, I need to give them my soul. <laughs> you know, like you have to kind of really make sure that you're providing value for money, but that you're not uh-huh. in the way, you know, you're, I don't know, like everything you own. It's one, yeah. of the, one of the reasons why these days I do it now a little bit more, but I took a long break from one-on-one business coaching mm-hmm. because I felt for a long time like I, somebody would pay me for an hour of my time and I would sit there and I would feel like I need to download my entire brain into yours into this one hour. Yeah, it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, and I just I found it way too difficult. And these days yeah. I've had enough training and experience now I don't quite feel the same way. And so I've gone back to doing some one-on-one coaching now. Mm-hmm. But for a long time there, I just couldn't do it because I would get to the end of the hour or the two-hour session with them and just feel like I need to go to sleep for three weeks now because <laughs> I have given over all my energy and all my knowledge. And really all that happened was they felt overwhelmed. I actually wasn't doing them any good. I was really doing quite bad by them because I was overwhelming them instead of empowering them. And so I had to learn that lesson that just because somebody's paying you doesn't mean that you need to actually give them your soul. Like you can give them a bit less. It's okay. And thank you for saying that because honestly, I kind of, I feel like I needed to hear that. So thank you. Yeah. Well, it's true though. Right. And like, I think particularly for you, when people are coming back with you, like, why is that class so expensive? Like Mm -hmm. there would be a need, I'm sure there'd be an emotional need to like justify it, you know? Yeah. This and you're getting this and you're getting that and you're getting the other thing. And Oh, by the way, let me give you 85 free recipes. (laughs) And you know, my mom's going to come and like make you dinner and yep. And then I'm gonna send my kids around to like mow your lawn or whatever. (laughs) I think we can't help it. Like we think somebody's yeah. paid us and therefore we have to just give, you know, everything we own. So word of caution there. If you are somebody who sells stuff, that does not mean you need to give, you know, I mean, when you walk into a car dealership or like a fancy showroom for something and you buy something expensive, yeah, they're giving you some extra perks, but they're not like selling you their whole lives, you know? Yeah. 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 I used to do this thing when I did one-on-one coaching with people. I would be like, here's my personal phone number. Call any time of night or day. <laughs> what, what is that about? Like, I'm like embarrassed about the fact that I did that because it was just stupid. And like, yeah. you know, nobody ever took me up on the offer. I have to say, nobody's ever called me at like, you know, <laughs> 3 a.m. Michelle, I'm having a business crisis or anything. But how stupid that I felt that that level of care was like, wait a minute. They spent an hour with me and like, 200 bucks or something and they get full access to my life what how does that work (laughs) so yeah hilariously i actually have a funny story about that which is for many years i used to give up my private phone number and say call me whenever you need ask me any questions right so well i didn't just do it once i did it for like years and like (laughs) nobody ever called right nobody ever called so i was like okay well this is working pretty well and one day my phone rang and it was this woman like hi is this michelle i'm like hi yeah and she's like so i'm just calling i had a question about one of your classes and she's having this like full chat with me and i was pretty sure i'd never heard of this woman in my life (laughs) right and we had this whole conversation and uh, the whole time i'm going this is just weird man (laughs) 
And at the <laughs> end of the conversation, I said to her, look, you know, it's been a lovely chat, but out of curiosity, like, how did you get my number? I'm pretty sure I've never, like, you've not been a student or whatever before. And she's like, oh, I just Googled it. <laughs> and I was like, what? And it turns out, like, not anymore, but it turns out somewhere on my website, I had my phone number. <laughs> And she just like Googled Michelle Green phone number or something and it just came up. And so she just like picked the phone and called me. <laughs> and I'm like, how ridiculous is it that I've probably given my number out to, I don't know, hundreds of people now. Nobody's ever called me. And then suddenly this <laughs> random woman just Googles it and calls me. So <laughs> lesson of the day. You don't need to give everybody your whole life. And also don't put your phone number on your website. <laughs> You know, unless she told me, I would have had no idea. Yeah. I, just, I didn't know. And I'm like, oh, ooh, that's a bit, mm, that's kind of bad. Anyway, very entertaining. It was a funny conversation that went on for a really long time. And I was like, because no, I, mm. I don't want to be rude and be like, yeah, how did you get my number? You yeah. Know? Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Dinara, you are amazing. And I'm totally impressed with all the things that you've achieved. Thank and I, even though maybe they complain about it sometimes, I think the fact that you've, you're raising your kids and supporting them with this business is super amazing, impressive. And I'm really excited to see what happens next for the business and everything else. And if anybody is interested in checking out Danny's Dulce Confections, I will put all the links to everything so you too can become her mega fangirl. And I have one final question. Yeah. So I grew up in Southern California and my parents owned a house in Mexico. And so that culture is definitely a part of my life. I have no idea what a tagine apple is. And I need you to tell me because every time I see them, <laughs> I want to eat one. What is that thing? Am I even saying that right? It's a tajin. Oh, tajin. Okay. What is a tajin apple? And why do I need one? Because they look really good. I don't know what it is. Well, it's a Granny Smith apple and then it's covered like in tamarindo paste i don't know if you're familiar with tamarindo it's like mexican candy basically you know the yeah tamarind is delicious okay. yeah so it's covered in that paste and after it's covered you roll it in a tajin powder which is a chili powder it's like salty spicy and lemony basically oh, so it's a very refreshing amazing. yes it's like putting fruit you know with some chili powder and some lemon basically that's what you're eating damn pretty much <laughs> I need one of like I see them all the time and I'm like I need one of those I don't even know what that is so now I know I feel a bit more educated <laughs> this is really good so tamarind is one of my most favorite things to eat and when I was a little kid we used to eat it from the tree like you pull the pods off the tree yeah for those of you who don't know it kind of looks like a gigantic pea Yes. I guess. And it's got like a hard outside and you crunch the hard outside off. And then the inside, it's like really sticky and it has these big seeds mm -hmm. and stuff. And we used to, when I was a kid, we used to pull it off the tree and just eat it straight off the tree, right? Yeah. You peel the outside and then you eat it off the tree and it has these big kind of slippery seeds in it. Well, no one told me that like if you eat too much of that, it has a very unpleasant effect. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So, yeah, if there's anybody out there who's wanting to eat a lot of tamarind off a tree, like, I feel like you should stop at one, okay? Learn from my mistakes and stop at one. More than one is a bad idea. But, like, I totally remember, like, we you sit there and, like, it takes forever to take that, the stuff on the outside. Yeah. Because you have to, like, smash it to make it crunch and then it sticks to the sticky stuff and you have to, like, pick it out and it's just in the butt. <laughs> But it's delicious. And so now I need a tahini apple in my life. For sure. Well, because I imagine that being like sour, salty, sweet, all those things at the same time because it's a yes. myth, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's delicious. Right in the summertime is very popular. Damn. Right, I'm coming to have. I'm coming to your house to have one of those, <laughs> and then I expect your kids to mow my lawn. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you so much, Daniel, for being on the podcast today. I had a great time chatting to you and I'm very excited to see what happens next in the business. And I've really appreciated the chat today. So thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for the opportunity. And just thank you so much for just for everything. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I love My it. My pleasure. Anybody who's interested in seeing where she is, you can follow her on Danny's Dulce Confections. She's not hard to find. Literally, you just Google that and you'll find everything pretty much. But I will include all the links in the show notes of this episode. And yeah, if you are somewhere near Silmar, California, and you need to eat a tahini apple for me, I'm ordering you to go and do that on my behalf, okay? Because they sound super delicious and like, makes me more excited than caramel does, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> Thanks again, Daniela. We will catch you next time. And thanks again, everyone, for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. It's been, as usual, loads of fun, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.